Sonia, I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you learned any Icelandic this week? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, But I do have a favorite phrase of the week. Okay, okay. That I've been saying nonstop. Let's hear it. I'm going to adopt it immediately. You fight this like you fight this like you What does it mean? I wasn't born yesterday. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. So I've been feeling a little saucy. Mm -hmm. And I've really adopted this. Like, anytime my boyfriend asks me any questions, like, a little like something about Iceland, for example, and I obviously know it, but he doesn't know it. I'd just be like, "You fight this like You fight this You need to practice. Like, I'm, <laughs> practice I'm practicing the sko. Also, sko, yeah, because and like, it needs to sound um, natural and yeah. cute. I haven't like allowed myself to say this word because I think it's you know sko. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's a total um, you know like a it's native something, speaker. Yeah, and it's something that people say like. Um, Really, it's like a filler word that you say unthinkingly, but yeah. I guess we're like planning yeah, exactly. planning when to insert the score so that we yeah. sound uh, authentic. Yeah. So it ends up being really inauthentic. Yeah. But have but you learned nice. any Icelandic? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I um, <laughs> Have I learned any Icelandic? I don't think so. That's bad. But next week I'll come with something. Okay. I haven't spoken very much Icelandic at all recently. I went home and I feel like I'm starting again with my Icelandic. No. Yeah, yeah. but I haven't practiced. Yeah. I practiced at all. Me either, and that's just fine. That's fine. But I like this idea of coming with some phrases. Yeah. Next week I'll come with one yeah. for sure. But anyway, shall we get into what we talked about in this episode a bit? Yes, let's do it. So we met with uh, a woman named Alo. Mm-hmm. She is an intersectional feminist mm-hmm. and is from Chile, mm-hmm. and she told us all about experience living in Iceland as a new mother yeah so she's just had a beautiful baby boy who came to the studio yeah all smiles Mm -hmm. and yeah she was sharing with us like the the real real struggle of raising a child without your village that's what she kept saying it was like you're doing this without your village yeah we even feel a bit difficult just being you know ourselves without a baby without our village without the village and then it takes it on a whole new level. Mm, like motherhood must be. I mean, we're not mothers, but I can. You don't. You don't have to be a mother to understand that becoming a mother is like monumental. Yeah. Everything changes. It must be so so difficult. And then on top of that, ev- you know, you f- experience everything that we've been talking about so far mm-hmm. in the podcast. And I mean, I have like to be honest, I hadn't really considered that dimension of being. Um, a foreigner in Iceland and I'm really grateful that she came and you know enlightened us a little bit mm-hmm. I totally agree it was so nice and I, I I think that any mother or you know inland good mother mm-hmm. will really benefit from listening to this and hearing her story mm-hmm. and everyone else yeah, I, yeah we need exactly. to we need to know that this is happening to people so true so true you know yeah. um and I think she was really brave for speaking out about this mm-hmm. talking about it this is really emotional and it's probably really painful to talk about yeah. um but you know she was amazing shall we jump into it let's jump into it but before we do if you know of anyone especially in good who would benefit from listening to our podcast please go ahead and share it with them and by all means if you would like to come and talk with us we would love to hear from you so please don't hesitate to reach out to us mm-hmm. on our instagram page which is at inlandinkar and yeah 
and let's just get into it. Jump into it. Let's jump into it. Sometimes I feel like we're like bridesmaids, like we're like in Utah. And then we- Okay, so maybe we just start with a little bit of background. Mm-hmm. So where are you from? I am from Chile, from mm-hmm. Santiago, mm-hmm. and um, I have lived there most of my life, but I have also lived uh, and studied and worked abroad in Portugal, Brazil, and the US, and now permanently moved my home to Iceland mm-hmm. four years ago. Uh You've been you've been around a lot. Yeah. Traveling a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Traveling, studying and always I had the goal to move to Iceland. I am not the kind of person that stumbled upon Iceland or found love in Iceland. I was uh, very certain that I wanted to live in Iceland, that it was my dream, that I was going to accomplish it one day at some point. And everything I did along uh, the way it was with that purpose. Wow. Why Iceland? What made you so passionate about Iceland? Um, well, when I was a kid, I saw... Um, it was kind of like a documentary. And it just marked me forever. And I told my mom, like, wow, this country is so beautiful. And then I was a lot on the computer. So I was always reading about it. I was, I was not really a nerd, but I grew <laughs> up in, like a really bad neighborhood so I wouldn't go out so much because my parents wouldn't let me so I was very like into computer stuff and I was always reading about Iceland and so on so yeah and then when I uh, went to university I decided to study linguistics because I was so interested in learning Icelandic. Wow. Okay. And it's <laughs> so so you're one of those. About one of those yeah, but actually, it's it's really funny. I am one of those yeah. language nerds. Yeah. But it's funny because I actually, I am not comfortable speaking Icelandic. It's weird. It's yeah. so weird. Very weird. I, I'm similar it? like that. I did my undergrad in French and Spanish. Okay. And so I've been doing that. La- and I lived abroad when I was younger. And for some reason... I can't remember whether it was the same for the other languages, but Icelandic is the hardest one to mm-hmm. actually practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you think that if you study it, you like get over those yeah. nerves, but that hasn't been the yeah. case with me. Mm-hmm. It's especially like if you speak other languages and you are used to like that kind of vulnerability of putting yourself out there mm-hmm. in a foreign language. I mean, right now I'm speaking in English. It's not my first language. Yeah, but exactly. There is something about Icelandic. I can't put my finger on it. I yeah. think it's probably like a mix of like how difficult the grammar is and your fear to not want it to sound like a baby because you especially as a linguist and such you're so perfectionist and you know the name for everything it's Mm -hmm. like the declination of the plural feminine you know it's like you want it to be perfect so you don't want to sound dumb because Mm -hmm. you are also an adult you know and it's not like uh, kids they they play and they go around. But you as an adult encounter yourself in a situation where you want to be respected. Mm-hmm. You want to be speaking with a person on the same level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is Definitely. actually impossible. And it makes it super unfair for 
the person that is like struggling and it's like, okay, my vocabulary is so poor. Mm -hmm. I could talk about the weather. (laughs) And it's like an uncomfortable feeling to feel like the other person is carrying you through the conversation. Mm -hmm. And like, they're just like, just holding your hand through the thing, which is of course what they need to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, even if they do everything correctly, it's difficult because you're like, okay, I'm just a baby. (laughs) I feel like, I feel really child. I feel like, yeah. And I, would say that uh, the three of us just by being here speaking on a microphone we're probably the kind of people that like to lead the conversations Mm -hmm. so putting yourself out there and like let's let's just say it bluntly like there is a lot of such social awkwardness in Icelandic social situations. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. And that is something <laughs> I struggle so much yeah. because I am not awkward. I am like very smooth. <laughs> and I... But the problem is that I kind of absorb the, the vibes of other people. So when mm-hmm. I am around people and they are awkward and they are uncomfortable... I kind of like uh, get like sucked into the awkwardness. So it's like... Are you feeling the awkwardness for me right now? No. <laughs> just like, just not, not I was talking all. to my therapist yeah. about this last night. Really? About awkwardness? So no, about like picking up on other yeah. people's energies yeah. like that. It can be so difficult mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're a person like this. Yeah. Because uh, especially, I don't know, like also cultural things might come off differently to you. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like socializing with Icelandic people. It's just, it can be hard to pick up on their cues sometimes maybe. I don't Mm -hmm. know. And I think they have different, I think if you're a native to a country, you're sending off different cues as well, or you don't Mm -hmm. know which cues you need to send off to make that person feel comfortable and not left out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we should probably do a whole episode on this, on like belonging cues. Isn't that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a huge thing and it's like, yeah. uh, for example, in my case, I feel like they will never understand my cues. <laughs> I just mm. gave up on cues. Yeah. <laughs> I just, at this moment in my life where, well, we're going to talk about my life. I'm so curious. Can we, can we go back? Okay, go back. Yeah, back. <laughs> I really want to know, I want to know about what, uh, the household was like that you grew up in and like a little mm-hmm. bit more about the town you say it was a pretty dangerous town I'm yeah. curious now well like. I am from Chile which is a country in Latin America so it's um, the social inequality had made it so it's very rough for a lot of people they struggle they live in the circle of poverty it's very difficult to get out of the circle of poverty especially when Education is so expensive. It's like... Oh, okay. It's, there's no free education in Chile? Not at all. Oh, it's wow. like minimum wage is $600 and the university tuition is the same as in the US. So you, oh. how could you... It doesn't work. It does not work out. You're just like either have rich parents that have been university educated and can pay it for you mm-hmm. or you just get the student debt and then you are in that until the rest of your life like my dad is yeah my dad is like first generation and he's still paying his university debt to this day it's nuts um so yeah going back to to the town um so my family is a middle class family uh sometimes 
I I struggle uh, with this thing about like privilege mm -hmm. because uh, it's a very important part of uh, the way I think and my values to to see life through the lens of uh, intersectionality. Mm -hmm. So that means thinking about what different systems of oppression are taking place at each situation. So, Can you living, give an example of something yeah. that's like... So living in Iceland, it's like a white, uh, most predominantly white country from Northern Europe, uh, Nordic states, and people that grew up here have a bunch of privilege. Like, for example, my baby, my son, he was born here. He has an Icelandic passport. He can move tomorrow to Spain as, uh, or as an adult and start working there, a career there. He, If he was working here, uh, he would have to work, I don't know, 12 months, I think, and then he would get unemployment benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, if I had a, a daughter, like, she would, I don't know, not have to pay for giving birth. Uh, she would be able to have an abortion, things like that. Mm -hmm. Those are huge first world privileges. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the third world, and that um, is something that I say it, As it is, it is traumatic. Really? It is nothing other than trauma. It's just trauma every day because I am not saying anything bad about my family. I have the most supportive family and they gave me everything to succeed in life. But just being from a place where there is so much social inequality and so much segregation and seeing that every day and also the... The power that the Catholic Church has to this day, it's bonkers. It's its unbelievable that the Catholic Church has so much power over, for example, I don't know, primary schools, secondary schools, and the way they they treat kids and they indoctrinate them. Like, I'm sorry, but I have to say it with those terms. I, I respect people that have religions, but I don't really respect the Catholic Church as an institution. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's what we were talking about, the social segregation in Chile. It's, it's just horrible. Mm, uh, probably people, unimaginable for people who have not experienced it and people who have grown up in countries like Iceland and the UK and other places in Northern yeah. Europe. And not to say that people don't struggle in Iceland. Yeah. People mm -hmm. struggle. They grew up in uh, vulnerability themselves and then they find themselves in social vulnerability as well. If they grew up in a family where uh, people were dependent on drugs or alcohol and then they very likely will continue the cycle. It's very difficult to break the cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, going back up to growing up in the third world, it's, it's traumatic because of all the things that you have to see on a daily basis. You just take the train and you see something and, you, you know, you hear stories. Even if you yourself feel like you are safe in your family or in your communities, uh, you always feel like there is no protection, especially in a place like Chile where... It's such a liberal country in terms of economics. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no protection from the state. 
So since the moment you are born, you are just like thrown in the street. Good luck growing up in a good family. Good luck if that you, the fam your parents will take care of you because if that's not the case, then you are in trouble. Much, yeah, in trouble. So, so just so I got it straight, you're, there's no social security. There's no health care. There's no they, well, health care by the state. There state. are, but they're very un underfunded. They are talking about healthcare, education, everything that is public in Chile is like underfunded and the people that work there are burnt out. Mm -hmm. My sister works in public healthcare, she works in in family healthcare and she works in one of the most vulnerable areas of actually the country and she has to hear very very difficult stories and She does it just because she loves her job so much. She is a nurse and a specialist in in lactation, mm -hmm. and it's 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 rough. Like I don't know how she does it because those kind of things affect me. When mm -hmm. when I go to Chile, I I am always like a little bit in in shock. You know, for example, just like how you feel forced to dress differently. Mm. You know, the the slut shaming and the catcalling, mm. stuff like that. I realized I couldn't live in in a machista, sexist country very young because when people catcall me, I just like snap. I just like talk back. I cannot control myself in a situation like that and that is very dangerous mm -hmm. as a tiny short woman yeah that's dangerous like anything can happen to you so extremely vulnerable yes at all times yeah you are pretty much never safe and so what is it in you that creates that desire to like snap back because actually Sonia and I talked about this in a previous episode and we were talking we were wondering what is the best uh response to mm -hmm. catcalling and yeah. I guess we were talking about in the context of Iceland it's probably not uh, com comparable to what it's like in, San mm -hmm. in Santiago but like yeah I guess my question is what is it in you that like takes that risk to talk back it's just uh, rage it's outrageous it's yeah. I I cannot look in like look at a man and think you wake up in the morning and look at your wife and jump in your car and go and cut call women like mm -hmm. that's abuse of power that is like so it's so fucked up in so many ways it it makes me live it like yeah. when i see injustice i cannot like ignore it yeah. i yeah it yeah. makes me so we've talked about how it's, it feels like they They know that they're going to frighten you mm -hmm. and they feel this power. Mm -hmm. It's probably just like men who are seeking this powerful That's feeling. Power, and it's yeah. just because it's, they know that 90% of the time, they're not, they know that the people that they're speaking to are afraid and are not going to respond until they yeah. find you. And then you tell yeah. them, yeah. you tell them what they need to. Yeah. And uh, sadly enough, I think what you're saying, it's really also the case of uh, some very sensitive topic uh, of rape like rape is also about power it's mm -hmm. sometimes uh, people think it's about sex but it's about power it's like trying to make someone feel powerless yeah 
And this is like a feeling that you have as a woman when you live in a in a place when there is such a like the, it's so hard to explain how machismo works. So machismo is a word to describe sexism, but in the terms of like men are always like over women. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it just, it permeates every social situation that you are in. Mm-hmm. In in a, in a place like Latin America, even women, they are also sexist themselves because mm. they proliferated because it's so, like, internalized. Right. Yeah. It's so easy to just, like, oh, yeah, because of this. Mm-hmm. And, and small stuff, like, we like you, we live it also in Iceland, like, oh, does your husband help around the house? <laughs> like no he does not help he does he's part of the housework yeah, yeah he does he's yeah. not helping me with my chores yeah, yeah. the same with my baby it's like wow your husband helps a lot no he does his uh, rightful amount of parenting yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly handing out like medals to good fathers for doing yeah. exactly what a father should do mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like where's my medal <laughs> I want people to be like, wow, like, you're really helping out with this baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're really, you know, there, you know, yeah. feeding and very raising present. it. Very present. You change all the diapers <laughs> and give him all the milk. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but okay, so you, you grew up there. And did you always have a sense that you wanted to explore and move somewhere else? You said you had a passion for yeah. Iceland, but was it always in your plan to yeah. leave? Yeah. Pretty much, yes, always. Um, I I love Chile, and I would love to contribute to to society in Chile in some way. But um, there are many reasons I I wanted to live in Iceland more than I wanted to live in Chile. Let's put it in those terms. Okay. I don't want to say I don't want to live in Chile because I do at some point uh, with my family, but. Uh, living in Iceland was the, my dream, mm-hmm. and I I made sure it happened. And here it you are, here you very are. fast. <laughs> a lot of things, so I would like us to get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how long have you been here? So it's gonna be four years. Oh my lord! So soon, in like a few days, it's gonna be exactly four years since I moved here permanently. But I came here before to scout okay <laughs> so the thing is that i have a good friend from Akureyri uh, that i met when i was an exchange student and uh, i the first time i came here i stayed with his family and they kind of became like my host family in iceland they're very close to me and they always invite me to come back so i came here uh, 2016 i think uh, in the winter, Icelandic winter, and I stay with them for two months or so. And I was just trying, because I had like recently uh, finished a long relationship and I wanted to do a master's here, but I was, I wanted to see if I could see myself living here. So I did move to Akureyri. It was really fun. I studied Icelandic, like, there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> went to class in the morning and in the afternoon and I went to like extra class. Wow. And on top of that, I taught Spanish. So this all happened in like a, like a language institute. So it was uh, 
so much fun. It was a beautiful experience. And then I went home and I pretty much just prepared everything to move permanently. So I applied to Howie to do my master's in international uh, studies. And then I got accepted and I moved here uh, after having struggled so much with uh, immigration and visa applications and so on. It's um, it's always like that. If you're not part of the European economic area, yeah. it's just, it's impossible. A nightmare. The borders are like bigger than Trump's wall. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you don't have anyone to help you in Iceland. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it can be so difficult to know what needs to be done because mm -hmm. it's really difficult to get Utlantikerstefan to answer the phone. Yeah. I don't know, my sister's boyfriend is going through this process mm -hmm. now of getting a student visa and he's mm -hmm. just, it's like one thing after another, after another. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to question whether this is on purpose, how difficult yeah, it is. Yeah, it is for sure. To I get, mean, to get you to give up. Yeah. Yeah. Something, I don't know, we're it just is. like seriously. I think they're also very, very underfunded. Underfunded and yeah. on purpose. Like yeah. why would you fund an institution you think about the mission of the institution, provide service to people that are immigrating here. Do you want more people to immigrate here? No. So then why would... But that's another thing I don't understand because I always hear this this like narrative of we need more people here. Mm -hmm. You know, the Icelandic economy needs more people and then you've got people who want to come and they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's your eco chamber. <laughs> because I always see in the comments on the no news section... Oh, but you should never read those comments. They are not saying that. Oh, <laughs> my God, do not. It's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But do you know what? That annoys me because that's like maybe 10 people who are th that type of person yeah. who's like writing and commenting with the most ugly things I've ever seen. The yeah. trolls. The trolls. And then you think that that's representative of the rest of Iceland mm -hmm. and that like, you have to be really careful. And I it happened to me recently. It was when um, the two Palestinian refugees were deported last week violently mm -hmm. at, from Utlendingasopnun. Mm -hmm. And I was like reading the comments that were driving me crazy. And I was like, I was there. I was like fighting back. But you can't fight back with a troll. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. You can't. And that's what they want. That they, Are yeah. you talking about the Facebook group for uh, foreigners? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh, my lordy. I have given up on this group. Mm. Like... Is it foreign? It's the foreigners. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of foreigners. But there's one called Away From Home in Iceland, mm -hmm. which is really big. And you get ugliness there as yeah. well. Oh, it's, it's like they the there is a per, like a part of the immigrant population that are more racist than the Icelandic racists. Wow, it's crazy. It's yeah. it's like how can you not stand up for you? Like you are one of us. Yeah. we are the same. Exactly. And that is so important to be talked about mm -hmm. because uh, I really hope that this podcast is reaching also. Icelandic audiences because they think about immigrants as an homogeneous group of people and it is not. Mm -hmm. Like everyone can move to Iceland and can have any sort of opinions and ideas and backgrounds and so on. I just, with some people that immigrate here, like I have nothing in common because they have such hateful feelings for people that, for example, want to move here. Mm -hmm. Seeking asylum. Yeah, yeah, right. They need it. So, Alo, mm -hmm. can you tell us about motherhood in Iceland, how it's been for you a little bit? So, I'll start by talking about maybe 
my identity shift it was because everything happened so fast like i have only lived in iceland for four years and i came here on my own did my masters started a career in marketing had a very good job a job that i liked and then i met uh, the man who is my husband and we got married like very fast we decided we wanted to get married uh, my parents were coming here and we were like ah oh, this is how wedding yeah let's get married and happened so fast and then we decided that we wanted to have a baby uh, because of how it is in iceland like it the story would have been so so different in chile uh i want to like applaud iceland in those terms i mean it is a first world countries and it was i mean of course i have my criticisms but the 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 big picture is that we as like young professionals decided to have a baby knowing that we would have at least 10 months together to take care of this baby yeah i think that's a huge deal and it's like yeah. something mm -hmm. that everyone talks about as being one of the best things about iceland but mm -hmm. especially if you're like thinking of starting a family yeah it makes it possible to yeah. have your career and have your yeah family. it's it has a lot of criticism for the people that experience it i have my own criticism uh but the the big picture is that it's much better than so many other places like in the u.s oh my god they don't get anything like four weeks or what i think it's even like two weeks two, it's two like weeks. go two have your baby weeks? it's something crazy it's, i don't know insane. don't that's a joke yeah. i have to look it up but yeah so for me getting pregnant uh then I would go to the checkups. I didn't have to pay much the amount of exams I had to take. And every month I would get like a very small bill. Like I really have to applaud Iceland in those terms. And I feel like I am absolutely entitled to this because I, when I got pregnant, I had already worked in Iceland for three years and I had put so much of my resources into the system and while i was working and studying my life was crazy like you cannot imagine how my life was then because i was studying full-time i was working trying to succeed in my career but on the at the same time i was also volunteering in two places and uh, having like an active social life and like being part of a political party and here yeah which party were you part of okay nice mm -hmm. yeah um i'm i'm pretty active in the party i mean much less now with the baby but i am very interested in in politics and i love to follow the news and be being informed i read the visit every day in icelandic it's mm -hmm. <laughs> quite funny <laughs> experience it's, it's, it's very good to to learn icelandic but i i don't recommend this because it's very slow yeah. so sometimes i will translate uh yeah so but how is your icelandic now well it's um, so i have a few people in my life that i am forced to speak icelandic to because they don't speak any other language and uh, for example, one of them is a grandma uh, that uh, she's the grandmother of my best friend. Mm -hmm. 
my closest friend in Iceland, and she kind of adopted me as her granddaughter. Oh, that's so it's nice. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah, she wow. actually lives here. I should go and give her a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've been pretty much hanging out with her since I moved here, and she's the main person to talk to me in Icelandic, and she visited us recently, and I was able to hold a conversation with her for like 40 minutes. Yeah, I was wow. quite impressed myself. I mean, my husband was there, and he sometimes helps me uh, when the conversation turns into something specific. But the thing is that you kind of get the good with the things that you experience in your life and you build up the vocabulary. So my life right now, it's pretty much everything, baby, everything family and stuff like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So I know the vocabulary and mm -hmm. just throw a few verbs in there. Mm -hmm. See what happens. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> Be chill about the declination. Oh my gosh, yeah. easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But uh, that's the thing. I, uh, going back to what we were talking before, mm -hmm. some people make you feel more comfortable than others. And that mm -hmm. has to do with the way that they approach you. I being listening to your episodes uh, when you were talking about that, uh, I think it has to do a lot with the the way that they approach the situation. Because some people will come to you or like Icelandic and expect you to talk back. And some people will be like, hey, I know you're learning, so I want to help you out. Like, chill out, mm -hmm. save space, you know. Mm -hmm. And then other people, it's the opposite. Like sometimes you are in a situation where you know you want to practice, you go to bonus or something or coffee and you want to speak Icelandic and they talk English back to you. And I'm talking about situations where you know the person is Icelandic. You hear him speaking Icelandic with their coworker because there are also people that are working around that speak less Icelandic than you. So mm -hmm. there's that. So yeah, I would say... My Icelandic, it's like, it's like intermediate for the topics that I am You're comfortable com with. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you were going to the doctors while you were pregnant mm -hmm. and like leading up to mm -hmm. the birth, did you speak English with yeah, the doctors? Yeah, 100%. Okay, this is true. something I have yeah. like a bit of anxiety about. It's like, I want to make sure that I understand everything. Yeah. I'm the kind of person when I go yeah. to the doctor, I'm like, yeah. I want to know everything that's happening at every moment. And like, to be honest... I don't go to the doctor in Iceland because, yeah. because it's it gives stressful. me anxiety. Yeah. It's just the thought of it. It's completely understandable. I mean, I have a friend who has lived here for 30 years and uh, she's the kind of person who takes a lot of pride in speaking Icelandic. Uh, I don't know if you know what I mean. Like there are some people that have been living here for very many years and they were, they considered themselves to be like the first uh, wave of immigration or whatever. Mm -hmm. and they take a lot of pride in how fluent they are in Icelandic. And, and she told me once, like when I go to the doctor, I speak English still because it's very sensitive information. Like nothing can be lost. I can be like, ha ha ha, something, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's serious. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like the doctors could speak to you in English perfectly fine and it was there was no, you know, issue with getting information across? Um, most of the time, yes. Um, I experience a lot of frustration from staff that are maybe not uh, specialized. Uh, probably people who 
themselves are not very good with English, so they are f they feel very out of their comfort zone. Right. To go out of their way to service someone in a different language, mm -hmm. and that is understandable to an extent, but it's it's sometimes rude mm -hmm. uh, and it comes out as rude and it makes you feel inadequate it makes your self-esteem like it, it makes you feel bad you know it it's you i mean at least me as an immigrant i feel vulnerable all the time i need to keep telling myself like i am entitled to this and this and this and yeah. this mm -hmm. i am a person i am a individual that has the same rights as everyone else yeah. you know mm -hmm. but as in some situations you will always feel like diminished yeah. you know <laughs> and and it can be belittling where mm -hmm. someone just like <sighs> you know yeah like, just little things yeah does that do when yeah. they need to speak to you in english it's mm -hmm. like especially I'm, as you said like you pick up on other people how they're feeling mm -hmm. and it's like if you can feel that they don't want to speak English with you, then it's you're so quick to kind of not ask them all the questions you want yeah. to ask. Yeah. And then you leave the situation not feeling like you got everything you needed. Like you wasted your time. And then it's if it's about your health, it's something very serious. But yeah. it's also about other, other things, you know. Sometimes I will tell people like... I'm sorry, but I can only offer to you English right now. Yeah. I wish yeah. I, it's yeah. like yeah, I, I love, I, that, I love yeah. to say things in ways that will leave people like thinking like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like I would love to contribute to the Icelandicness of this conversation. Unfortunately, <laughs> at the moment, I love that. Please, yeah, thank you for your understanding yeah, exactly. in this matter. <laughs> we are working for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I like I really resonate with what you just said, and Sonia and I often talk about this is that there's this sense that you feel like you're making yourself small and you're like ma yeah making yourself small diminishing yourself as a woman you do that all the time exactly yeah. so if you like again we're talking about intersections like mm -hmm. a woman an immigrant or expat or whatever you want to call it it's like I I really want and I, I say it more to myself than anyone else but like don't make yourself small it's not a crime to be yeah. foreign you yeah. know, yeah. Don't, I think don't that's apologize. so important. Mm -hmm. Like, don't apologize. That's another like, thing. That's yeah. the thing. As a woman, as a young woman, as a woman of color, mm. you are constantly apologizing for existing, <sighs> for, for breathing, for taking up space. Mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> it's tiring, <laughs> and I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, who wrote this? Ain't I a woman? Like, yeah. aren't I an, a person? Like, sometimes yeah. I say these things to my husband in Icelandic, like. Like you know, in Skypit, Automotoskypit, there was a song that was like "Eru Homer men," because they were like criticizing that um, homo, like uh, gay men could not donate blood. Yeah. So they made this song with Paul Oscar. Yeah. So I just tell my husband like "Eriek Kanski person," when someone is like doing something treating me poorly or something. I'm like, am I not a person? Yeah. <laughs> and you said before that becoming a mother has been one of the most transformational experiences yeah. of your life. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was talking about it and then do do do. Went yeah. to other topics. I was talking <laughs> so about the talk identity. About. <laughs> yeah, the identity shift. It was like here, being here as a young person with a lot of ambitions and um, finishing my masters and 
starting a career and then meet my husband and decide to have a baby and it's like a huge thing mm. like it's 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 not for nothing that it is something that a lot of people are afraid of that a lot of people are unsure about that there's like a huge maybe taboo in a new relationship and stuff like that it's because it is huge there is nothing mm. bigger than that there is no bigger responsibility than being in charge of someone else's life mm-hmm. There is nothing quite like that. <laughs> like, there is not another job that is 24-7 every day of the week. And the thing is that, of course, it's that way. Of course, in Iceland, we have a lot of security by the state. And like I said, I will applaud forever Iceland for that. And I will applaud myself because I also contributed to it. Yes, girl. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the thing is that being an immigrant mother, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And talking about my personal experience, um, I am here without anyone from my family. I have close friends. I have friends that uh, have done a lot for me and have been very present through the pregnancy after the baby was born and postpartum and we we owe them so much like it would have been so different without them but still it's not your family the thing is that you can appreciate any 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 support you get but feeling like you brought a life into this world and your own people cannot meet this person there is nothing more heartbreaking than that. Mm. It's like completely devastating. Oh. It's 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 shocking. Yeah. yeah. Especially when the baby is growing so much in those early yeah. early months and changing yeah. so and much. And the time never goes back. No. When you're an adult, you're 21, 28, it does not matter. Mm. But when you are one month old, you are one person, then you're two months old. Like every week, he is a different person. And they will never see him as a newborn. They didn't. They will not see him as a baby. They will probably only meet him when he's a toddler, when he's walking and talking and Mm. things like that. It's it's very hard, that, Mm. that feeling, especially because uh, it is inherently hard, difficult, and unfair. But COVID made it even worse. Yeah. yeah. Like COVID stole so much from oh, from yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, women who became mothers during that time. Mm-hmm. We got stolen from, I don't know, pregnancy yoga. Yeah. Like small stuff yeah. like that. To having your family experience the birth, having your family come and meet the baby, and a bunch of things. Yeah. And um, your baby is now... Eight months. Yeah, old. he's eight months, uh, almost nine. And actually, in our case, I don't. We we experience both ends of COVID uncertainty. Uh, my mom could come to Iceland for like a miracle. Like something happened, the planets aligned, and she managed to buy a ticket to fly on New Year's. And she actually flew to London, stay over a night in a hotel in London, mm. and then took another flight to Iceland in COVID times. Like, yeah, wow. she did it right before the UK went crazy on like shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. And she got to Iceland and 
it was wonderful and she stayed for four months wow that oh is so crazy so that she came and our, stayed with you yes oh. that one person devoted four months of her whole life oh. to this other person that is so like that is it's amazing it's amazing but she it? probably doesn't see it like that she see, this is her life this yeah. is what she lives for i'm sure it is but yeah from another point of view it's also like it's like a like a it's a product of patriarchy as well because would my dad would have done the same probably not you know what i mean mm. it's like that mothers feel such uh devo- devotion to to their children is also it takes them away from away from their personal liberties you yeah. know and i know that she enjoyed her time here but if she could have gone home to sleep in her house every night she should have been able to i mean mm-hmm. it's it's not fair for for anybody it's it's very far and it's a it's a huge thing i just want to ask um like what you were saying before you you've based you must have experienced like two opposite like two um very different in- experiences insofar as your family was far away yeah but your husband's family must have been quite close yeah that's an interesting point so just to finish the other story then my dad tried to come here and it was the complete opposite because he tried to come here in easter and that's when they the uk had already closed all the brothers so i'm talking about trying to bring him here was impossible Uh, me and my husband he is a lawyer we spent three days trying to make it happen we called the airlines we called the ministry of foreign affairs we were like we will pay whatever it takes for my dad to get here it was not possible they just won't let people board and that feeling is like completely devastating it's like almost kafkesky it's it's actually kafkesky it's like the system the the or like system that we have created called borders forbid my father to take a flight regardless of how much money he had or whatever to come and see me because he didn't have a certain passport because of whatever reason it's, it's completely surreal mm. so that's very very unfair and Going to the topic of my husband's family, actually his uh, family is from a farm, not from Reykjavik. So we are pretty much like just the two of us. His parents are in a farm. Their farm is like off the main road. And for example, right now they're busy with um, collecting the... I don't know the word. Horses. The hay? The hay. Yeah, yeah. the harvest, yeah. Yeah. The horses. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's later. That's a bit yeah, later. Yeah, the, yeah. What's it they, called? They, they, yeah. Yeah. Not, not yet, but it will be soon. But they're busy with that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 rough. Um, yeah. And what are some things that you do when you're feeling like this? Because you're obviously feeling very isolated then if you are so far from the people that can give you support mm-hmm. not like excluding your friends and the people who are mm-hmm. around you do you have any sort of I don't know advice for somebody who might be going through the same thing or things that maybe just make you feel a little bit less alone or yeah it's very hard like yeah. there is not much 
that you can say in a situation like that because it's so so it's like so specific but at the same time it's so universal mm. because you guys were telling me like you don't know anything about motherhood and da 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 but when you become a mother it's like you experience uh, at identity shift and a transformation in you because there is another part of you that is always there mm -hmm. and that you need to take care of this person and that you would do anything for this person and there are other people in the world and around you like far and just next door mm -hmm. that went through the same thing because motherhood is so universal it's unique to, to being person to being alive it's also part of like the the wild animals in the jungle like mm -hmm. it's 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 a, a unique thing but the the specific struggles of being a mother without your village are are very hard and i actually i don't know what to what i would say to other mothers because in in my case it was pretty pretty isolating yeah because of covid because um, my husband's family is far, like I was saying, and he's not very close with his siblings, so they are also not as present as, for example, my siblings would be, because my sister, she has children, and I visit them twice a week, and my mom is there, like, I don't know, many times a week. We spend every weekend together. So it's it's... It's difficult to to balance out like the different upbringings that both parents bring into the picture, and for us there was all of that. My family not being here at all. I mean, my mom came, and then she left. <laughs> that was also very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then his family being far or just uh, not being close to to us, and. Then COVID, like I, the beginning, we were all still like very cautious of what to do. So very recently, uh, actually something beautiful happened. Um, it's something beautiful that came out of something really hurtful. So I was, there was one day where I was struggling a lot. Uh, I was having a really, really hard time. And I uh, reached out to a friend and uh, the way that she talked to me hurt me so much because she said she pretty much did the opposite of what I needed in the moment, which was to have my feelings validated. So I was feeling this way and this way and this way. And she tried to convince me otherwise. Like, mm. no, you shouldn't feel this way because it's not like this. To make me feel better, she said. But in reality, she made me feel much worse because she said to me uh, the most hurtful thing that I have heard since I became a mother, which was, but you knew it was going to be like this when you decided to have a baby in Iceland. And I was speechless. I just like got shivers and I was like, I didn't know what to say. Like, because that comes from 
no place, no good place. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing good that you can get out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except just of undermining how like you that. feel and yeah. saying, "Oh, you shouldn't feel like this." You should have known better. You yeah, yeah. should take a Make better responsibility yeah. of wow. these decisions, mm-hmm. and that is something that uh, that mothers never need to hear. No. Like they need to hear, it's hard. Uh, you have support. You reach out to me if you need something. You are entitled to feel this way mm-hmm. because it's hard. You should get more support and you don't get it. You are doing a great job. Things like that. That's what a mother needs to hear because it's hard as fuck. Like you don't get any sleep. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was watching like a TikTok <laughs> the other day and they were saying like if there are babies that sleep all night, they are like 1%. All the 99% that are saying they sleep through the night they're lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to make the make it look better than it is, and yeah, that's how it feels. So, like, I don't know why there is this this perception that uh, also that uh, mothers need to compete with each other. Yeah, like uh, it's it's crazy. It's like make it's, it look as kind of glamorous and yeah. beautiful as possible. Yeah, it's like. Uh, I have all my shit together, so I'm better than you. It's like, no way. It should be the opposite. And, and do you really feel, do you feel that? Does that, um, like, where does that pressure good, come from? It's a good, it's a good point. Like, I'm not so much uh, into that because of the, my social circle is not like that. So like, my closer friends, they have babies and they tell me all about their struggles and they tell me it's just so hard like it there's always uh, something that uh, will fall down you know like uh, you cannot have a beautiful house and dress beautifully and have uh, a clean child and <laughs> clean <laughs> child <laughs> and a successful career you know yeah, it's yeah. like something will go lower in the priority you know you won't clean your house as much or you want to get dressed every day or you <laughs> want to put yeah. makeup on mm-hmm. or you will forget to eat uh, you know, or stuff like that. And I don't like to participate in that thing about uh, trying to make it look better than it is. Mm. So when someone tells me, uh, yeah, it's so perfect, like I could not imagine it being better than this, I'm just like, I wouldn't say so myself. It's very hard for me, you know, like I try to 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 make it seem like it is. And that's so important in our case because what I what I was gonna say earlier is that I give up on giving people cues because I realize they will never pick it and the only thing that you can really do is just try to be as direct as possible and mm-hmm. it's not always easy because you feel bad saying something you want to avoid confrontation or because you simply don't know how to communicate the things but you have to like you yeah. have to tell people like. Uh, I'm sorry, but I cannot come to a dinner party because I have a baby that needs to sleep and he needs me to sleep. Mm. I can't, you know, uh, do anything without the baby. So could you make plans? If you want me to be there, you need to make plans that will accommodate us as Mm. a family because we really don't have mother support and everything that I want to do that is not being with my family it's something that's going to put more work into my husband and something anything that he wants to do will put more 
pressure yeah. on me. It's only the two of us. It's very, very hard. And I really cannot imagine how it is for two immigrant household, two immigrant parents. That must be even more difficult, you know, and I applaud all of them. And I think everyone should know about their struggles as well. And they deserve so much respect and so much help from everybody. I've got everybody. goosebumps yeah. when you're talking. I've it's, got goosebumps. It's crazy. Do you imagine the life of a single mother? Immigrant. <laughs> asylum seeker. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, I like applaud them because... We and my, hus my husband and I, we struggle a lot, but we have a lot of privileges. We have financial stability. We have a house that we own. We have people that we can call in case of any emergency. Uh, but some people, they don't have anybody. And on top of that, they need to be worried about what are the social expectations or the prejudices that people will have around them or that they don't feel welcome or there's racism around. That mm -hmm. is so much. Like mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. people and immigrant parents, like we deserve to be understood as a lobby group, as a group of people who need support mm -hmm. like we need it and i'm not talking about anything specific from the state like oh we should get i don't know Barnabaitur or anything like that i'm just coming here to talk to you guys to to question like when your friends have babies like do you call them do you ask them like hey how are you doing hey like can I come and bring you something mm -hmm. like you know that's a good point because um I have like a few friends who've had babies recently and my feeling is like oh I don't want to impose like I don't mm -hmm. want yeah. to get in the way they're probably super busy super tired they don't want to have to host me or deal with me or yeah. something would mm -hmm. you say that that maybe isn't like the way forward um it's a it's a good way to put it because uh you should if in my experience you should always try to not put the parents on spot to tell them like hey can i come and visit you because maybe they're not comfortable receiving guests so you can say something like i really would love to visit you as soon as possible just let me know when and i will come up okay but you can also do like sneaky nice things for them like uh, for example when we had our baby our friends they are the best like they brought us food they brought us like groceries to mm. our door they brought us diapers they brought so many things and mm. they just like told us like hey we left the things on the doorway and wow. they left you know because they didn't want to make us feel that way mm. you know and that's something that that you really need. I mean, it's it's not only the gift. It's not only the material things that you do need <laughs> so much when you have a baby. It's very expensive. Mm -hmm. But it's also the gesture and the feeling appreciated, feeling like they thought about you, that they have you present, that you can come to them if you need something, you know. Like some of our friends are also immigrant parents and... Some of them have like very rough situations, you know, and um, I would say in my experience, the most difficult that I already talked about is how it makes me feel that my sister, she didn't meet my baby because when she meets my son, he will not be a baby. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, it's the same for for other people, both sides of the family. It must be really, really tough, especially if your family is really close like mine is. Mm. You know, it's it it would be impossible for me to think that my sister wouldn't visit me for more than a week. You know, I'd spend the, every week with her. So just try to to be present and send them photos, but that will never really make up for that. Not for the time that they mm-hmm. could have spent together. This has been really, really eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I couldn't respect you and everyone else, especially immigrant parents yeah. who are living in Iceland, because I think this is, this is such an important story mm-hmm. and it's such an important dimension to being an immigrant in Iceland that mm-hmm. more people need to know about because you guys are heroes, like yeah. heroes. Yeah. Um, I don't like when I see uh, some foreign women that have children and they are 18 and they post photos, or, I don't know, Utskrift from, I don't know, Menstaskoli. I just think like, wow. This woman raised a 20-year-old, like, yeah. how did she do it? All the things she might have struggled on the way, like, it's it's, it's so amazing, you mm-hmm. know, to do it without your village. Like, everyone deserves a village, and yeah. if you don't have it, it's, like, 10 times harder, and it puts so much pressure on you. But on the other side, it also, it makes the bond with your nuclear family much much stronger uh but there was one thing that i didn't say then when i was telling the story of my friend who said that hurtful thing um so after that i realized that i really needed to do something different because uh, i i was feeling really isolated and i felt like i couldn't open up to to anybody because this experience of opening up to one person and feeling that she responded in this way uh, made me more hesitant about it. So what I did was I contacted a lot of our friends that uh, were having babies and we started like a meetup. This was before this current COVID wave. So we were able to hang out and meet in in a family coffee house that has like an indoor play area. So we started doing that weekly and it was so good. It was really, it helped a lot. I mean, we didn't have it going for a long time because COVID happened again, but that, that really helps. And I think that getting in touch with people that are in similar situations really, really helped me. Like at the moment, the person that I talk the most on a daily basis is a, a friend who is a Vietnamese American and she has a baby the same age as mine. And we talk about all the things that happened to us. It's like, oh, my baby's stealing's horrible. You know, you're like, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to talk about those things with certain people, but you need to have someone yeah. to talk to. Exactly. And then Did I you- guess you have to be really intentional about just, you have to build your village then. If yeah. you're not coming with your village, you have to go out of your way to like build it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And maybe that feels a little bit like, um, you know, too calculated maybe. Maybe like in an ideal world, you would just find the perfect people, mm-hmm. you know, you'd bump into them and you'd be best friends forever. But maybe that's not realistic and you have to go and say, you, you and you, like we're going to be friends now and we're going to support each <laughs> yeah, other, yeah. you know. 
-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, we have a small group and it's kind of uh, starting, but it's really cool because we actually share a lot of uh, parenting preferences. Let's put it in those terms. So we can talk about stuff like that. I mean, I don't need to go into detail, but for example, we all co-sleep. We all sleep with a baby in our beds. And we talk about like, hey, how is your setup right now? Are you putting like a frame on the mm. bed? Stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it's so nice to have people to to talk about these things because everything changes so fast. And I'm not going to talk with uh, my mom or a friend that doesn't have kids about, you know, these nuances of parenting. Yeah. You know? How did you meet this group that had babies all around the same time? Um, some of them and most of them I met because we were in the same Bumbur group. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's a good place to meet yeah if you are lucky and you find people that appeal to you because there are also people that maybe you don't have so much in common but we were very lucky we follow our pregnancy then we had our babies and then we realized oh we're kind of parenting similarly we're struggling with getting around in iceland as parents with no village you know yeah are these just facebook groups these bump yeah okay you just like the year that the baby's born the month the month Okay. So like uh, you just search it on Facebook and ask yeah, to join. Exactly. Okay. So maybe if anyone is listening that yeah. is in search of some f- fellow Joker, mothers. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. Be a place to find it. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you spell it? <laughs> uh, it's usually <laughs> it's usually like the month. So uh, for example now it's like uh July so it would be like July Bumbur 2020-21 Okay. That's probably good advice for somebody. Like I'm, I'm not sure that that's. I don't know if I would have known about that. No, exactly. They are also international ones, like November babies, like 2019. You just search it and. You As in for the nice. for the whole world. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Just if you want to just share experiences yeah. with. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. Yeah. So just need to find your own village or your mm-hmm. tribes. Uh, I don't know, follow Instagram accounts about stuff that make you feel good, uh, that are like about parenting things that uh, you feel like, oh, no one does it this way. Like, I don't know, for example, formula feed, just follow a formula account or something, you know. Yeah. That's that's very good because you need so much validation. You are so vulnerable when you become a parent, when you become a mother. You need to constantly feel like, okay, this was the right decision, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's hard. Yes. Even though you made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really. It's been wonderful to have you. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. And we will let you get back to your beautiful family. Yes. <laughs> oh.